Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I'm joined here as always by the one, the only, Chris Wesley. What's going on with you today, my, my friend? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Just uh, getting ready for uh, the Mac Con. Uh, sorry, I call it the Mac Congress, but it's just the Mac or the Mid-Atlantic Congress that's happening here in Baltimore uh, later this week uh, or the week of how, when this airs. Uh, for those of you who are listening hot off the press on Tuesdays uh, when we drop this thing. I think that's how the kids say it these days, right? Um, but uh, I have yeah, no idea. Yeah. I'm 40. I'm clueless. <laughs> well, I'm 39 and a little bit more with it. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, we're getting ready for the Mid-Atlantic Congress, which is uh, um, a regular church uh, conference. I know I'm really selling it. A regular church conference. No, it's, <laughs> it's an East Coast conference that's accessible to those of us who can't maybe make it out to LA, um, although it's not nearly the size of the LA Congress. Um, but same sort of thing, catechetical ministry, uh, lay ecclesial ministry, um, you know, how to approach uh, church better. So if you are um, coming down to the Mid-Atlantic Congress uh, and you haven't signed up, or maybe you've already signed up for your breakouts, uh, feel free to just jump ship and, and come to mine on Friday, um, where I'll be talking about creating ministries uh, that will sustain and last uh, for not just youth ministry, but children's ministry. And, and it's applicable that way as well. And then also, I'm getting really excited, John, because, well, I'm a little sad, but I'm also excited. Uh, the following week, I'll be heading out to San Antonio for the annual membership meeting. I was hoping to see John there, everybody, but... Uh, you know, John is just not big enough brass at Parish Success Group to travel <laughs> with uh, Rich over there. So, uh, so John, we'll just do what we did last year, where maybe we'll record a podcast with a guest, and you're at your house, and I'm in a luxurious hotel room. Sounds good. Well, remember last time I was at the event and yes. at the luxurious hotel, and you were at home. So I'm. And- I'm okay with that. Let's do it. <laughs> and we had some good interviews. Uh, that's where we uh, interviewed Robert Fiducia and, uh, and also Doug Took, uh, who's kind of a regular. You know, it's been about four episodes. We should have Doug back on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, uh, and, and Eric from uh, ODB Films. And so uh, that, that was you, – you, you did well with that trip. You did well, <laughs> my friend. Well, uh, enough about me. Yeah, well, I'm about to say, we've, we've got these two conferences coming up, and so hopefully we're going to have some some good guests coming on the, the next few episodes here uh, over the course of uh, February, March or so. And so uh, stay tuned definitely for the for the future of our podcast, and I'm excited to see who, who ends up being pulled into our podcast. Because basically, for those of you who don't know, we just show up to the event and just start asking people. It's like, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? Or they say yes, no, whatever. That's how we go with it. But it's all good. No, life is good. It's a good season of time. But I'm really, I'm really intrigued to to talk about the question that our topic today, Uh, you know, uh, Rich Curran, my boss, Parish Success Group, he did a webinar for the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry uh, just recently. And uh, there were so many great questions that were coming from the chat function of that, that I asked the NFCYM, I said, hey, will you send me the questions that people are, are, are writing? Because these are really, really good questions. And this is what's on people's minds. Uh, and so they did. And so Rich's topic was on, on how, how do you reach the unengaged? How do you reach the young people who aren't coming to church on a regular basis? And, and that was the whole thrust of it. And all, all these great questions. But one of the best questions, which is our topic today, um, was how do you get your pastor on board 
um, get a sense of be on the same vision and mission about this when they're not on board, right? And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is they want to go do something in ministry, whether it's youth ministry, children's ministry, liturgy, whatnot. Um, but they know that they first have to quote unquote sell it, right? They have to convince first the pastor and then sometimes they have to convince their leadership like volunteers or other staff or whatnot. Uh, and I think this is a prominent issue for us in church that uh, we're, we're as staff, we're not all on the same page. We don't, we, we have different visions or maybe you experience an exciting conference like the Mac conference or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, and you come back and, and you've got all these ideas, but you know that you've got to quote unquote sell it. Right. You right. know, so that's going to be our topic today is how do you get your pastor on board? How do you get on the same page together when it comes to what you're trying to do in ministry? I think this is pertinent. I think this will be an exciting conversation. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cause you know, if you, if you can't get your pastor on board, uh, if you don't feel like you're connecting with him, then it's going to be a difficult season of ministry, right? I mean, it's going to feel like no matter what you try, uh, you're just going to continue to struggle. And, you know, this isn't about, and I know some people approach this subject, right? And they're thinking, all right, how, I don't want to manipulate him. I don't want to lie to him. Um, I don't want to like be a cheesy salesman or, you know, uh, saleswoman or, or anything like that. So like, how do I, like, how do I um, influence, right? I think that's the right word to use is influence. How do I influence um, my pastor in a way that gets him on board with an initiative or project that doesn't just stay within my youth ministry, children's ministry, uh, small group ministry, uh, so I think the first thing is to kind of give people permission to influence up and not necessarily feel like they have to lie or manipulate. Yeah, th- that's it. I mean, there's not, we're definitely don't lie, don't manipulate. It's not about that, but it's about getting everybody on the same page. That's what it really comes down to. And Chris and I are going to speak from our own perspective and our own experience doing that and what we've seen. But I recognize right away, let me just say this, neither Chris nor I are a pastor. And so I'd be really intrigued if you are a pastor and you're listening to, to what we're saying. Uh, if you think we're totally wrong, <laughs> email us. Let us know that. If you have some other ideas for us to consider, let us know that as well. Maybe we'll do a follow-up episode or we'll put some other, we'll put some other resource out there. But uh, this is a, a personal call to, to pastors and priests. If you're listening to this and, and you've got some feedback, please don't hesitate to let us know. You can email us. Um, as always, at questions at the church podcast.org, or of course, connect with us on social media. But um, I'm excited about that. So, yeah, no, uh, that's definitely, definitely uh, true. Yeah, call us out because we're not pastors. And, you know, also, I think another part that's important to this too is to make sure that we, um, each person is different, right? So um, there are going to be pastors who look, who naturally look at your ministry as the most important thing in the world. And then there are going to be pastors who um, aren't necessarily know your ministry is important, but maybe don't understand that. Right. And that's something I I think a lot of youth ministers feel or face, but um, I think it's important for us to recognize the fact that, yeah, no two pastors are created equal. Um, and, and we've got different gifts and talents. All right. Yeah. So where should we start on this, John? Well, uh, I think the first part we need to start is, is first of all, recognize where your pastor's coming from, recognize their workload, recognize what they're dealing with. Like first step in, in, in dealing with this is really understanding and coming to understand. I think a lot of us in ministry, and I certainly, I've become more aware as time goes on, but I'm still not totally in the loop 
you know, of, of how much work our, our pastors are, are called to do and the pressures that they have managing the entire organization, dealing with this committee, that committee, this volunteer, dealing with diocesan meetings, uh, dealing with all sorts of things. And so uh, I think the first step is to really take a step back and, and, and really understand what pressures, what the workload is for our pastors and our priests. I just think a lot of us lay people don't know that. Um, and, and I think all of us could benefit from thinking through that and spending some time uh, reflecting on that so that we come to a better understanding. Because I, I, I can speak for myself. I just expected my pastor, I remember my first job, I expected my pastor to just be available all the time to me uh, and, and, and answer my questions or just give me carte blanche to do whatever. And they just didn't have that type of time. They didn't have that type of ability to, to support me in the way that at least I initially expected to be supported. Now, with that said, I know I got plenty of support uh, in my first ministry job for sure. But it's understanding, sit back and understand, okay, what's going on in the lives of our priests, our pastor? What are they dealing with right now? Not an excuse, right? This is not meant to stop you from going to talk to your pastor about a vision that you have about your ministry or change that you want to implement. But uh, I think you're going to have better sympathy, better empathy when you do eventually come to the table and meet with your pastor on a particular issue. Well, and I think that goes back to, for those of you who might be starting out in a position, or even if you've been with that pastor for a couple of years and you feel like there's these communication like glitches or, or things that you're having, is to sit down with them and say, you know, what's the best way to communicate with you, right? And, that, and that's something that I did with um, uh, my current pastor and something that I learned to do with uh, Father White, um, where I said, you know, if I want to talk with you about something, can I just come into your office? Is it, I got to set an appointment, um, shoot you an email, what's the best way? And, you know, I, I've gotten different responses uh, because they're, again, two different people and how they like to be communicated. It's also sort of looking at what their schedule looks like. You know, um, uh, Father White was always off on Fridays and, you know, Father Rick, who I work for now, is always off on Wednesdays. So for me, I'm not going to shoot him an email or a text on Wednesdays, or I didn't do that with Father White on, on Fridays. And, and, and I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. There are times where I accidentally send something on a Wednesday and he responds and I feel bad because I'm taking away his, his day off. Right. But, um, you know, I think that's important to sort of understand their, the way that they like to be communicated with, because if you come in, like say they don't like being disrupted, they, even though they have an open door policy, that really um, you've got to be aware of like how you're interrupting them. They're not going to be receptive. So no matter what you say, even if you're like, Hey, I just found a million dollars for the church. They might be like, Oh, that's great. And their reaction might not be what you were hoping for. So understanding their work schedules, understanding how they want to be communicated is key. And if you've haven't had that conversation with your pastor, then that's really important. Um, because again, not to belabor the point, some might be really bad at email, and you might be emailing them over and over and over again, and they're just not great at responding, then it's not necessarily that they're not interested. It's just that they're really crappy at communicating. 
So this first step is really about relationship building, right? We're not yeah. even talking about you sharing, you know, your vision or whatnot. It's relationship building. It's getting to know each other. And that's the first step is you've got to have that ability to, to connect uh, on, on a somewhat regular basis, whatever that looks like. If they're your direct supervisor, certainly there should be uh, one-on-ones, regular one-on-one meetings that you guys are having. If they're not your direct supervisor, then, then I mean, you need to understand that you probably need to go through your supervisor first, right? Mm, if maybe yeah, you're being yeah. supervised by the parochial vicar, associate pastor, or maybe a pastoral associate, whatnot. Well, that becomes your avenue uh, to connect with, with the pastor. Um, is, is your supervisor. But I'm going to assume that a lot of folks, in my experience, uh, our organizational structures are very flat. <laughs> and so my experience is most people do report to the pastor. Mm. That's a whole other podcast on whether we but, should do that, you know, but uh, that, I do find that the case a lot. Everybody, almost everybody reports to the pastor. This is applicable, though, in every level. If you're a volunteer, you know, listening to this, like, and you work in the children's ministry, this is, this is applicable to how you talk to that DRE or to the children's coordinator. Yep you know, along those ways. So this is definitely applicable. And if you're a leader listening to this, this is important, I think, to take note and say, okay, how have I communicated to my staff the way that they should communicate to me? Or how have I set up my boundaries, um, you know, in, in this in, in this way or that way? Um, and one thing that I've found helpful, and, and we've talked about assessments before, is the importance of maybe doing a staff assessment, right? Um, you know, and this is where I think and I know we've kind of talked about Myers-Briggs before, um, but this is where I think Myers-Briggs is really helpful because, um, it, again, with communication and personality, if you have someone who constantly is talking aloud and processing aloud versus internal processing uh, um, and so forth, uh, that's going to really help with how you approach them about certain wants or needs or projects. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. absolutely. So relationships are important. Yep, absolutely. I think the second step now is, is let's just talk about you've got a vision, you've got an idea that you want to you want to run across, you want to get your pastor on board with. Don't come to him with a half planned proposal, oh. right? You know, that that is that's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time for everybody. If you've got a vision of what you want to accomplish in your ministry or a plan, a proposal, you need to spend some time before you even bring it up thinking it through, writing it down. I remember I was looking through my files recently, Chris, and you'll laugh. I have all my ministry files from my first ministry job. Like I have them all filed under, under that, that ministry. And I was looking through some of that stuff. I had three different proposals. There were four or more pages long about things that we wanted to try to implement, you know, in the future. And, and we actually sat down and created a proposal. That's the type of thinking that all of us, if we're leaders in ministry, we have to think through the plan and think it through on paper. The worst thing to do is go to your pastors. I had this vision of, of doing this. He's like, great. How are you going to do that? I don't know. Well, that's super annoying and unhelpful, right? But I think we've all experienced that, right? And, and sometimes that happens when we get back from a conference or some other thing. We get so excited. We're like, we're gonna. I learned from I learned from Chris Wesley at the Mac that we're gonna that we should be doing this. So let's just do it, you know. And without any kind of thought, right? And all that stuff needs to always be translated for your parish setting, for your ministry right. setting. So spend time thinking that out, writing down a, a proposal, what this looks like, what the vision is, how you're going to go about doing it. Because it's, it's less about the vision and more about how we're going to get there. That's always a stumbling block for many of us in ministry. And I would say our priests is like, 
you know, oftentimes I think my experience is priests are on board with the vision. They just want to, you, to see how you're going to do that, right? Because the ambiguity of not having that plan is stressful, actually. You know, when I think about the things I want to accomplish, I get stressed out when I don't have a plan. But as soon as I put pen to paper and start writing out, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good. And my stress goes away, right? So yeah. come up with the plan. Yeah, and, and I can't stress enough how much anxiety it fills me when someone comes to me with an idea with no plan, right? It, it, uh, and part of the anxiety is like, one, I don't know if I have the time to do it, uh, but a lot of the anxiety is of, I'm afraid to say no to this person because if I say no to them, then they're gonna be disappointed. And then I'm gonna be one of those church people that are like, they never listen to my ideas. And like, uh, I'm gonna leave this church because Chris couldn't like make Christ come back again, you know? and. And so for me, um, I, yeah, I, I want to emphasize the fact that you need to have a plan. Um, it's the same thing with don't bring a, a problem to the table if you don't at least have a solution to offer along with it. Um, you don't have to have every single detail mapped out. And, and I think that's the other part to stress about this. Have a vision, have a strategy that you want to implement, and uh, but also be open to his feedback or if it's not your pastor, but your supervisor, your supervisor's feedback on how to make it better or what works for them. You know, a great example of what we're working on here right now is doing a, um, a huge push for our student leadership pipeline, right? And so one of the ways we're looking at is how do we not only recruit more teens to serve in ministry through the parish, but how are we changing the culture where they're not just showing up to collect service hours or do a job or not just sit in mass, but to actually be disciples of Jesus Christ. So the first thing um, I had to do was put together a vision and I put together a strategy and part of that strategy was an event. And for me, a key part of that event was making sure my pastor was available. So outside of my calendar, I said the next most important person that's there is our pastor because you can't have a leadership conference at your or event at your parish without the leader. So I had to work with his schedule, but also kind of communicate why this was important, how it was going to look, what it was expected of him to get him to buy in. And I know I'm jumping already to other steps, but it's just to reemphasize, don't just come up with an idea. There are plenty of ideas out there. Um, but if you want your idea to be a good idea, it should have a strategy and a plan that comes with it. Yeah. And think about is connected to step one, right? Knowing your your pastor and having a relationship. Think about what their vision is for the parish. If they if they've articulated it. Now maybe they haven't articulated a vision, so that's fine. But find a way to connect your idea to the vision that your pastor has come up with. Uh, you know, that way for, for the pastor, it becomes a seamless connection. It's like, oh, I see how the plan that you're coming up with meets my vision of what we want to try to accomplish. Right, right. It would be a lot easier you know, to sell it to them uh, if, you, if, if you're connecting it to kind of what the vision is. Now, a, a big question, Chris, is with this is, is what if my pastor doesn't have a vision or hasn't articulated a vision? Well, that happens. <laughs> and all you need is permission. Um, you know, it's like... <laughs> Well, that's where it goes back to influencing up, right? Um, and I think we've talked about cultivating or creating a vision before. Um, and if you're a pastor, if you're a leader of a department or of a church or of a ministry listening to this, if you don't have a vision, you, you are going to struggle in managing your team, right? And again, this is a whole nother podcast episode right there. But 
um, make sure that the vision's there. But in the case where your leader does not have a clear cut vision, um, I think that's where you have to, I mean, fortunately we all have a vision from the church when Jesus said, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything, you know, that I've shown you and go therefore and make disciples of Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? So that's our basic vision and mission statement <laughs> as a church. Start from there, right? Start from there. That's at least where you can start with, um, and no one who's Catholic or Christian can really argue with that. But uh, if they don't have a vision, offer your own vision um, and make sure it's, it's, it's clear. Yeah, and, and expect the feedback. You said earlier, be open to the feedback. Yeah. Uh, expect it. You know, don't be open to it. Expect it. Um, because you're creating buy-in, right? You know, that's a part of it. It's like if your pastor anybody right this is just good management good working good collaboration with people is if you're going to expect buying from anybody well then they need to own the plan as well and right. so you come up with the initial draft right initial proposal you know but then expect the feedback have them edit it encourage them to edit it and kind of think through it because then they'll they'll have some buy-in they'll have some partnership with you to make that happen uh in terms of the plan and the vision and here, here's another key part, and this goes back to what we were talking about before. Knowing your pastor's processing level, right? There's nothing worse than you having all this enthusiasm going into the office and him saying like, let me think about it, right? So if you wanna avoid that, uh, send him an email ahead of time saying like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this. Here's a sketch or an outline or a thought about the plan. Look it over and then when we meet in a day or a week, um, let's discuss it, right? Because if they are an internal processor, um, they're gonna not necessarily respond right away and be like, all right, green light or red light, you know, they'll, they might say, I need time to think about this. Mm -hmm. And they might still say that even after you sent um, all the information there, but the best you can set them up for the meeting, the more constructive the conversation is gonna be as well. Yeah, and time is important when you're talking about something big, right? You're talking about a fundamental shift in your ministry, right? right. Your vision or what you want to do. You want to give it time. The last thing you want to do is rush it. Now, you know, when I mean rush it, I mean, you don't want to implement it tomorrow or the next day. But I also don't want you to wait a year and think on it for a year. Like that's too long, right? You know, it's so, uh, but giving something a, a week, even a month to continue to percolate, continue the conversation, build upon it, like that's good productive uh, time, you know, to be able to then, you know, really act on it and re really make sure that this plan is, is feasible for your parish and your ministry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so, so sort of moving on, um, another thing that I would add, um, and so I, I guess step three on this, is make sure you have tangibles in place. Um, and when I say tangibles, I don't just mean, you know, how is this going to be funded um, or where are you going to do this, uh, but also like a team. Um, who else is going to be a part of this? Uh, because that can also be a scary moment for a, a leader where you come with not only an idea, but a plan, and there's this unmentioned expectation or assumption about an expectation that he is going to have to do work to make this happen. And no one loves being told like, hey, this is going to create more work. Um, if it's a good vision and a good plan and there's already a team in place, your pastor is more likely to get on board with that because then he knows that he's not the only one carrying the burden. 
So, um, you know, before you present that, that plan, make sure you can answer those questions of who else is involved, who else is helping, who else is in the know. And that's where you, then you can also ask them like, who else needs to know about this? Or, or what are some needs that you see that we should be putting in place? Mm-hmm. And if, there's a re- if there is a request for resources, especially money, right, which may very well be, and that's fine. Well, then now you need to look at the overall process of the parish in terms of, of how it does its money management and its finances with the finance committee and stuff. Uh, you know, when's the budget cycle? Do we have the extra funding? Do we have to wait to implement this when we implement the new budget, right? And like, for instance, Chris, now is the time, right? We're recording this in, in January of 2020, you know, but this is a season that parishes start to look at you know, the budget for the next year, and they're starting to make the plan. Now, they may not finalize it till May, right? You know, because a lot of us, our fiscal year is July 1 to June 30th, right? Um, you know, they may not finalize it till May, but the, the, the patchwork starts to begin now, in January, February, March, um, leading up to that final approval, typically in, in April or May. And so you need to be aware of that cycle as well. If you need funding, substantial funding like i'm not talking about five dollars but if you need extra staff or you know you need you know a substantial amount of money to make this event happen well then you you have to fit your pro your thinking into that process yeah and invite them into that um uh that problem solving aspect too like even if they're the ultimate project doesn't involve him a lot invite them in and say hey these are some of the things that i'm not sure how to do um do you have any insight into that because then that will spark his interest that will invite him to be a part of the conversation. Because another thing that can be a turnoff as a leader is if someone comes with you with a plan, um, an idea, it's great vision and everything, um, but you're kind of excluding them from it, they might, it's not necessarily a pride issue of like, am I gonna get any credit for this? But it's more of, um, hey, this sounds awesome, I wanna be a part of it. Like, I don't wanna miss out on the, on the joy that comes from it. So invite them into the process, especially on those subjects where it is about like funding or space or um, inviting other people to be involved in this project as well. Yeah, and this is where, you know, having, when you come up with the plan and proposal, don't do it in a bubble, right? You know, get some of your key volunteers, key staff members on board to help you come up with that. So it's even more thought through before you bring it to to your pastor. Again, think about the tangibles, the resources, the volunteers, the facilities, the money, et cetera, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think the fourth thing, you know, Chris, as, as we, we start to, to conclude here is that the question of what if they say no? You quit right? and you go to another church. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. But no, I mean, if, you, if, if you've done the relationship building, right, which is step one, if you've really intentionally created a plan on paper and a proposal, and it's realistic, right? It, it's got to be realistic. If it's off the wall crazy, well, then forget yeah. it. But if it's realistic, you know, and, and step three, you're making sure you're naming the resources, the intangibles. There's a very real uh, situation where the pastor could still say no. Um, I, I think the first step, if, if they really say no, you need to listen and understand why they're saying no. Because maybe there's something that you can go back and work on. Maybe it, the no is no, not now. Maybe it's no, this plan is incomplete. You know, Or it could be no, this doesn't fit into my vision at all. So we're never going to do this type of thing. So I think there's some discernment of what that no might be. But I think you need to 
be open to the reality that the answer may be no. Now, I think that's hard for a lot of us, Chris. I come up with something, I put time, energy, I'm going to expect the pastor to say yes to my mm. plan. What is my disposition? What is my attitude as a leader in ministry if my plan is quote unquote rejected? Because that's what it feels like, right? Do you now what, what we, we personalize the work that we do, this no longer just becomes my plan or proposal, but becomes me. And, and I, I, I share this only because this is what I have struggled with. The no that I got about a plan, I interpreted it as a no to me, which mm-hmm. is not it. You know, it's not rejecting right. me, right? You, but we often, something we, we put time, energy, and passion into, and we get the no, we, we feel personally rejected. Well, first of all, we got to realize no. Don't take it personally because it's not about that at all, that there's probably missing elements or things that we didn't consider. So at this point is when we really need to be open and understand what's, where's the no coming from? Is it a no, not now? Is it a no, this plan is incomplete? Or is it a no, never type of thing? That type of discernment needs to happen as you continue to listen. But the only way that you can learn that is that you continue to ask questions to understand more fully again this connected to step one be in relationship right build that relationship is to keep asking questions and kind of come to understanding but you have to be open to the answer being no now i would say if you are not open to the answer being no do not engage this process Mm. you know uh, because you're going to set yourself up really for a traumatic failure if, if you're not open to that reality. So I think that is something you need to take and I need to take quite honestly to prayer and think that through. But we had to be open to that no. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, I think we have to be open to that no. But if it's a situation where you're really passionate, I think you have the permission to ask how, right? Not why, but how. And what I mean by that is know your initial response might be like well why is this not possible why why but really if you say okay I understand that this is not a possibility now or this doesn't line up with our vision but what I'm struggling with is this subject so how can I overcome you know this problem right how can I overcome this situation a good example of this is say you come up with a proposal for hiring another position, right? Like I'm the youth minister and I need an assistant youth minister. And I create a job description. Um, I talk about the different funding, you know, that is available, uh, office space, all those kind of things, right? I have it completely figured out. And I even have a person in mind. And my pastor says, listen, we just, we, I know we do have money, but we're gonna be embarking on this project or, Um, If I hire someone here, I've got to hire someone there, you know, uh, things like that. And the reason you want an assistant is because your plate is just overloaded. That's where, um, and and I've been in this situation before where it's saying like, okay, I understand that we don't have the budget or now is not the time or you can't. What I'm struggling with right now is uh, being able to reach all these teens and spin all these plates. So what I need help with is figuring out how to manage the different responsibilities on my plate. And what you're confessing to your, your pastor is the fact that you're struggling with time management and you don't know how to get yourself out of it and you need an outside perspective. 
or you're struggling with, um, you know, how to prioritize things and you need his advice on that. Um, it, it's, it's sort of, he's, he's saying like, okay, this isn't going to happen, but yeah, let's figure out your problem. Because usually when we bring a project to someone, it's because that project is to resolve a problem or a situation. And if he says no, um, he does kind of owe you in a way uh, an explanation or assistance on how to help you overcome that. I mean, that's what a good leader or a good manager does. Um, and he himself might not do that. He might say, hey, you know what? You should talk to so-and-so on staff or so-and-so on parish council who's an expert at this, this, or this. And maybe we can figure something out else out in the meantime. Yeah, I, I love that. Because again, typically the answer is not no, never, right? It's no, not now, right? right. You know, and, right. and or there's some things that need, that need to be thought through. You know, for instance, going back to the proposal idea, for instance, I think it's important that a proposal that you might have around how to do your ministry different needs to be rooted in church documents, needs to be rooted in what the church is saying we should be, right? That that little fact alone, right? If you include some things and say the national directory of the catechesis, or 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 our hearts are burning within us, or, or different things that have come out, you know, crisis life, right? The different things that come out that is rooted in what our church is telling us we should be. Well, that does help to bring down those barriers that people may have, right? This is not just it's not just John's idea, right? Oh, this is just John's idea. No, John's idea hopefully is rooted in best practices and in the wisdom of the church. And that really does go a long way. And I would include that in the plan and the proposal. But again, you know, being open to the answer being no and asking, you know, the questions that you're talking about there, Chris, to kind of continue the dialogue and figure out what your next steps are. However, you know, and this is really a topic for another episode, you joked about it, you know, at the beginning, you're like, well, let's just pack up your bags and, and go do your ministry at another place. Um, I'm not ready to delve into, you know, no leading to what well, you need to quit, obviously. But it very well could be in a situation where visions are just in a different place. Uh, and again, I don't think we have time to really address that. I, I, I know one of the things on our list of many podcasts we want to do, Chris, is like discerning when it's time to leave a ministry. So maybe we'll have to address that, that podcast topic at some point. Right. You know, but don't jump to that conclusion. All right. <laughs> Just oh, no, that's it. I'm out. I'm cutting bait. I'm going to another church. I'm leaving the ministry forever. That's obviously not helpful, you know, but, but that may be a discernment along the way. If there are fundamental differences about the overall vision of where you're going in the church. Now, first of all, if there's fundamental difference of the vision uh, that of where the church is going, uh, probably more reading needs to be done in terms of kind of understanding whose vision is wrong or is both your visions wrong? Are they more connected than that? Again, this is the bigger conversation, but don't jump to the conclusion that just because your pastor says no to something that you're like, I'm out. I'm out. And again, right. we're going to have to address that because that is a whole other podcast, Chris, you know, right. when to leave is just, uh, yeah, that's a big one. And I know it's a question that people have, you know, so right. we'll do that at some point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Any other thoughts to this, uh, before we, uh, call this a show? No, but I will say, I, again, reiterate, if you are a pastor, a priest, or even a supervisor, um, you know, we, we kind of named four steps here. You know, build a relationship, create a plan, a proposal, put the tangibles in place, and be open to the answer being no. But I'm interested in yours. Are, is, are, are Chris and I on crack? Right. You know, or, or is this right on? I really would be interested in your feedback. So especially if you're a pastor listening to this, 
let us know if there are other things that we should be considering because I'd love to share those thoughts with our podcast audience. All right. Yes, definitely. Let us know if uh, we're off by any means here. Um, I don't know about on crack, John, but okay. Uh, so, but if you have questions or comments, definitely email us at questions at the church podcast.org. Um, you can also leave comments on specific episodes at the church podcast.org, our website. Uh, but we would love it if, especially if you left a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen, just to let people know what you're getting out of the show, uh, what you like, uh, and uh, definitely share this with your friends. If you want to reach us uh, outside of the website, John, where can people reach you? As always, uh, visit us at parishsuccessgroup.com or connect with me on social media, Twitter, at John Ronaldo. And you can also reach me anywhere, Marathon Youth Ministry uh, or marathonyouthministry.com. Uh, John, always a pleasure to talk with you, especially some of these trivial sort of situations, uh, praying for all the pastors out there and praying for all the people who have awesome ideas. Um, may they get done. Uh, let's close in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be a part of the church. And when we're a part of the church, we get to think big, dream big, uh, believe big, Lord, because you are a big God. And there are times where you will introduce us to an idea, a concept, a project, an initiative, Lord, that we want to take on. And I ask that you send down your Holy Spirit to give us the words, to help us articulate a plan, to give us faith in the plan that you may introduce to us immediately or maybe over time, Lord, and also give us faith in our leaders uh, that whether they say yes or no, it's because you're saying yes or no, um, that we not grow angry or frustrated with them, Lord, but we have trust in you and the greater plan. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for introducing us to a big plan. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.